Welcome to Pathway to Faith with Bishop Steve Howe. Turn your expectations high as you receive the word from our man of God. Prepare yourself to hear a life-changing message. Let's tune in now. I want to minister uh, on, the, on the line that I've been ministering where I talked about imagination and the power of imagination. So for just a moment, for, for, just, for just a moment, can you imagine your life being different than what it is right now? Let's make, let's make a bold step. Can you imagine being rich? Let me come a little closer to your eyeballs. Can you imagine being rich? Can you imagine being so financially secure that you're able to bless everybody that God places on your heart? That if your mother or father or whoever uh, raised you, gave their time and their life to your raising, that you're so blessed that you could, you, could, uh, you could really bless them, buy them a new house, buy them a new car, or send them on vacation, send your kids to college, send other kids to college. I mean, you pay for it debt-free because you're so blessed like that. Can, can, can you imagine that? Can you imagine being so blessed that, that, that uh, when your pastor stands up in the congregation and share uh, the vision, the kingdom vision of the house and what God has placed on his heart that the ministry needs to do and the finances that are necessary to bring that vision to pass and you by yourself can stand up and say, Pastor, I got it. Because you, you are blessed like that. C- can you envision, just like people are called to the five-fold ministry gift, that, that, can you envision God calling you into the ministry of giving? Because there is a ministry of giving. Uh, uh, look at Jesus' ministry, uh, the, particularly the women who followed him. They had the ministry of giving. They were some of his greatest supporters financially. Can you envision being so blessed financially that wherever God will send you, wherever God will unction you to address a need, that you could do it without any strain, without any struggle, because you're blessed like that. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine living debt-free, owing no man nothing but to love him? Can you imagine paying your house off before 30 years? I know you have a 30-year or 15-year loan on it, but can you imagine paying it off ahead of time? Can you imagine? Well, I'm talking about the power of imagination. And just for a moment, I think I made mention in my last uh, session, and I trust that you'll go back and look at that, pull us up on our web and, and go to our library or MP3, however you, you, know, you have to get access to it. But, but I pray that you'll listen to that message because imagination is so powerful. Uh, it, it hasn't been that long ago, and I know some of the younger folk who are listening can hardly believe it, but television hasn't been around that long. It hasn't been around that long. There are some people still alive today who remember when television didn't exist. But somebody imagined that some way, somehow, we can 
we can, uh, first of all, create a camera. And then once the camera was created, how do you transfer something that was received through the camera lens? How do you transfer it over over the miles to somebody else's house or even another country? I, I remember in my lifetime, it, it wasn't that long ago, we didn't have cell phones. And now today, we not only have cell phones where we can talk to people anywhere on the planet, we can literally FaceTime them and we can talk to them and look at them at the same time. That's just been recently uh, manifested in the earth. All I'm simply saying is these things came about because somebody imagined it. Somebody imagined that, you know, some kind of way, I believe we could, I could do something, make something where people can communicate on the other side of the planet. And I'm sure when they initially thought about it, they seemed odd, strange. I mean, remember the Wright brothers uh, out of Dayton, Ohio, who took their their invention to Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, because they envisioned, they imagined that man could fly. And they received a lot of pressure because people said, even church folks said, if God wanted man to fly in the sky, he would have given him wings. But they didn't allow that to detour them. Why? Because they had a strong imagination that some way, somehow, I can come up with an invention that will enable man to fly. Now, we know from history that when the Wright brothers finally did fly, they didn't stay in the sky that long. But look how things have evolved because the imagination continuing, continuing, developing igniting and now we can literally get on a plane and fly supersonically five miles or more up in the sky from the United States in a matter of an hour or so be in another country having breakfast or lunch because somebody imagined it. Imagination is so powerful. Uh, They used to make shoes uh, by hand but a man came up with an invention that that shoes could be made and sewed together uh, with a machine. It was a black man who came up with the invention, but it was birthed in his imagination. And so everything we see has been birthed out of imagination. Even the clothes that are on your back that some designer designed, it was first birthed In their imagination. Glory to God. So imagination is a powerful thing. Amen. Can you say that with me? Imagination is a powerful thing. Go ahead now with my video department. Let's let's do these these nuggets real quick. I believe I have four or five. Let's just run through them real quick. Nugget number one. Come on, read with me. Your abilities are according to your willingness To imagine. Your abilities are according to your willingness to imagine. Nugget number two. Say it out loud. 
Come on, say it again. I can't hear you. You become, come on, those of you who are watching, amen, by way of streaming or whatever device you're looking at, don't just look at the program. I want you to participate. It's important that you open your mouth because when you give something, it opens you up to receive something. Nugget number three, please. Nugget number three, please. There is a direct relationship between our thought processes and who we are. Isn't that awesome? There is a direct relationship between our thought processes and who we are. Nugget number four. Imagination is a tremendous power. I ask for you all to participate if you're going to be here. Ready? Read. Imagination is a tremendous power. Not just power, it is a tremendous power. And I'm going to show you in just a moment through the word of God. Last nugget, I believe, nugget number five. Wow. So nobody can hold you back but you. You have what you have. It's nobody's fault but your own. In creative imagination, you actually create your own destiny. Amen? The force of human potential. That's what we want to deal with tonight. The force of human potential. The imagination. Somebody say imagination. Again, your real abilities to achieve great things is not according to your learning or your education but it is according to your willingness to imagine. Can someone say amen? Now, let's look at something real quick. I'm, I know I'm going to throw my uh, video department off a little bit, but I want you to turn real quick to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. 1 Thessalonians Chapter number five. You there? Look at verse number 23. Real quick. Hopefully our video department can run with me. Oh, man, they're sharp tonight. Thank you. Look, look at this, verse number 23. Now, pay close attention. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole not half, not three-fourths, but may your whole, whole what? Your whole spirit, soul, come on now, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The point being made is that the Bible clearly makes it uh, clear to us that we are a tripart being, that we are spirit, we are an eternal spirit. Every person, every human being is going to spend eternity somewhere. Why? Because we are a eternal spirit. But notice what it says, that we also have a soul. That's what I want to deal with tonight. Because your imagination is connected and, 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 and closely interwoven with your soul. Your soul consists of your, your will, your imagination, your emotions. 
So within the compass of your soul, there is this powerful force called imagination. And then it says, and body. And praise God, we all are going to get a new body. Because this body that we have now is going right back to the dirt from which it's come. Mortality is going to put on immortality. And we're going to be as he is. Can somebody say amen? amen. So we're clear now that we are a tripart being, yes? We are spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. We're not body. We are spirit and we have a soul. And it's all encompassed and housed in this physical body. Now, within the soul, uh, there is a compartment called the imagination, just like the emotions in your wheel. But tonight we're wanting to deal with this thing called Imagination. Say this with me. Imagination is a key to power my success. Oh my. Let's say it one more time. Imagination is a key to empower my success. So our nugget number two says that you become what you think about all the time. Having said that, let's go to Proverbs now, chapter 23. Familiar passage of scripture. I know I'm moving a little fast, but we already know this. This is sandbox that we're dealing with right now. Look at Proverbs 23, verse 7. Proverbs 23, verse 7. Ready? Read. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now, now, putting this in context and not taking it out of context, we know that, that uh, Solomon is... In this verse of scripture, you almost have to read the verse number six and then read verse number eight to really understand the full import of what he's saying. But he's he's really dealing with a man here who's really a miser. He's stingy. And he's and he's pretty much saying he's stingy because of the way he thinks. And, And then it goes on to say that don't have lunch with him and don't have breakfast with him and don't have dinner with him. Because whenever he invites you to something, it's always a scheme to take advantage of you. But he, but, but the Solomon is saying he is that way because of the way he thinks. So putting it in context, we are the way we are too because of the way we think. Amen. So as a man thinketh in his heart, come on. So is he. We differ from one another. We differ from one another. By the way we think. What makes us different is how we think. It's how we think. Can somebody say amen? When I interact with, uh, with other people, I'm amazed sometimes in my going forth and going around the country and just dealing with people, you know, in close proximity. Uh, I'm amazed when I get around certain people and I listen to them for a moment. I'm amazed as to how they think. I mean, I've been a case where I've walked away and I'm like, man, I can't believe how they think. Because once you discover how a person thinks, then you'll discover why they are in the condition that they're in. Boy, that's good. I said, that's good. Uh, if, If you're married, If any of you are married watching this program and those who are in the edifice today helping to produce this program, I thank you. If you're married, you notice it didn't take long 
for you to discover that you and your spouse didn't think alike? Well, if I had a crowd, the roof would come off of this place. But if you're married and if you're not married, you'll see. But those of us who are married, it didn't take long, maybe two or three days. It certainly didn't take three weeks. As much as we love each other and we do love each other. And and there's a real connection, divinely ordained. But with all of that godliness uh, concerning your union, uh, you still discover Jesus. (laughs) We don't think nothing alike. Amen. So again, it is the way we think that causes us to be different from other people. Is this good? Now let's look at Proverbs 23 verse 7 again. Let's read it again. For as a man thinketh in his heart, what? So there is a direct relationship between our thought process and who we are. So in other words, I'm I'm saying You cannot separate the two. You can't separate your thoughts from who you are. And you can't separate who you are from your thoughts. They're one and the same. Is this this good teaching? Don't deceive yourself. You are rich or poor because of the way you think. I'll say it again. Don't deceive yourself. You are rich or you're poor. You're on top or you're at the bottom. I mean, you're making it or you're struggling. And it's all predicated on how you think. Ooh, Jesus. You own a home or you rent. And it's nobody's fault but how you think. Now, there's nothing wrong with renting if you want to rent. Let's make that clear. Because some people don't want the responsibility of, you know, having to cut their grass. They don't want the responsibility that if something goes wrong with the plumbing, uh, they don't want the responsibility that it's on them that have to make the call to the plumber. They want to call the landlord. All I'm simply saying, what you have or do not have is predicated on how you think. And how you and I have been thinking over the cumulative of the years or months have brought each of us to where we are today. What has brought us to where we are today is not anybody. Nobody has that kind of control over us and I pray you don't delegate that to anybody. But your thoughts are the main conduit, the main purpose or the main source that have brought you to where you are today. Now Hosea 4, 6, it says that God's people, what? Perish for what? For the lack of knowledge. And and that, oh, Jesus, and this is the truth. That knowledge is the knowledge of the word of God. It's amazing how many Christians don't know the Bible. I mean, go to church, but they don't know the Bible. And, And Hosea, the prophet says that God's people perish for the what? For You see, there's some things you wouldn't do if you had knowledge of the Bible. There's some things people couldn't talk you into doing if you had knowledge of the Bible. You wouldn't operate with such lack of integrity if you knew the Bible. You wouldn't sign your name to certain things if you knew what the Bible had to say about it. There's groups of people you wouldn't even hang around if you knew what the Bible said about it. 
But the reason you do those things and say some of those things and, and get yourself involved in certain things is because you don't know the Bible. And when you don't know the Bible, you're subject to doing anything. Oh, Jesus. So we perish in this life. Not that God doesn't love us, but that we don't know enough about him. As a matter of fact, the reason our love for God is so shallow is because we don't know him. And you can't know God and not know the Bible. You can't know the Bible and not know God. So the reason your relationship with God is shallow is because your knowledge of God is shallow. Because the word of God says to know him is to love him. And how can you love him if you don't know him? And how can you know him unless you study to show yourself approved? A workman that needeth not to be ashamed so that you can rightfully, you can, not the pastor. So that you can rightly discern, amen, and divide the truth. So that nobody can deceive you and talk you away from the things of God. So you don't run off doing what you think. The things that you think are according to the word of God. That's the only way to be saved. Somebody say amen to this truth. So don't be deceived. You are rich or poor because of the way you think. Question, Pastor Steve. Well, what's your question? What are we supposed to think? I mean, you just shared with me that uh, we are according to what we think. And you said that my life is either on top or the bottom based upon what I think, that I'm either doing really well in life or I'm struggling, and you're saying it's directly connected to the way I think. The choices that I've made has got me into the mess that I'm in, and I made those choices because of the way I think. Hear me tonight. If your thinking is not right, you'll mess around and marry the wrong person because your thinking's wrong. Hallelujah to God. Are you listening to me tonight? So, so pastor, okay, my life is directly, directly connected to the way I think. Okay, then what am I supposed to think? Because there are a lot of forces in the world that is trying to tell me how to think. Television is trying to tell me how to think. Newspapers and periodicals and magazines are trying to tell me how to think. Teachers at school are trying to tell me how to think. Neighbors and a guy on the block is trying to tell me how to think. Some disgruntled woman is trying to tell me how to think. Some hustler on the street is trying to tell me how to think. Some preacher who's not even called a God who's trying to tell me how to think. So how am I supposed to think so that I can have everything God has decreed I'm supposed to have? I'm glad you asked that question. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4. What are we supposed to think? Philippians chapter 4, that's right after Ephesians, just before Colossians. Philippians chapter 4, look at verse number 8. Hallelujah. You there? We, we got to get moving here. I got to really get to this point. Look, you, you, verse number 8. Philippians chapter 4, look on your screen. Ready? Read. Finally, brethren, hold on now. So, so Paul is saying to the church of Philippi, he's saying, fine. in other words, like conclusion. But if you back up to chapter 3, he said the same thing. He said, finally, brethren. But now he's coming to, to the end of, of, his, of his discord, of his talk, 
of, of his ministry to the church at Philippi. And he says, finally, brethren, what things soever are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are what? Pure. What things are what? Lovely. Whatever, whatever is praiseworthy, he said, think on whatever, whatever things are virtual, whatever, anything that is praiseworthy. He said, what? He says, meditate or think, meditate on what? These things. So Apostle Paul here in Philippians chapter four, uh, he's giving his last admonition. The Philippian church here in chapter four, the church at Philippi, they are, they're at odds with one another. And it's hindering, it's hindering the pro- pro- proclamation. This is what Paul is addressing here. He said, fi- he said, finally, brethren. And he's giving them, he's giving him his last admonition. He's because th- the way they're acting in the church is hindering the proclamation of the new life in Christ. And, and not only is it hindering them, a division will hinder you. The lack of unity will hinder a church. The lack of unity will hinder a family. The lack of unity will hinder a business. The lack of unity will hinder our progress. We may be going forward, but not as fast as we should if everybody would get on board. So Apostle Paul is dealing with the church members who are at odds with one another. Because now it's affecting the proclamation of getting the good news out to the world that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. Can somebody say amen? So, so Paul, he goes on to explain to them what they need to be doing, what they need to be thinking so that unity will abide, so that the enemy won't be able to deceive them, so that they won't be operating and walking at odds with one another. And then he tells them what to think. Look at this. He said, think on things that are what? Things that are true, things that are noble, things that are just, things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are of a good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praiseworthy, he said, think, meditate on these things. Well, Jesus Christ is the only one who's true. Come on now. Jesus Christ, he's the only one who's noble. He's the only one who's honest. Jesus Christ, he's the only one. Matter of fact, he's called the just one. Hallelujah to Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Jesus, he's the only pure individual who ever walked this earth. The only pure person who ever walked the planet was Jesus Christ himself. So what is Paul telling us? He is saying, if you want to keep your mind right, and if you want to stay successful, and if you want to stay sound in your mind, if you want to stay sound and blessed and healed in your body, he, if, you, if you want to stay on God's side of favor, he said, you got to think on Jesus. You have to measure everything you're thinking about doing. You have to measure it with Christ. Can somebody say amen? I, I've got to, I got to move on. Let's go to Genesis and close this out. Genesis chapter 11. Genesis 11. The force of the human potential is all encompassed in your imagination. You're in Genesis 11. Genesis chapter 11. Are you there? Come on. We just got just a few moments. Genesis chapter 11. You there? Amen. Look at verse number one. Genesis 11 verse 
number one. Now the whole earth had, had one language. How many? Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shanor. And they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. What did they say? Let us make what? Bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had bricks for stone and they had asphalt for motor. And they what? And they said, come on now, are you following me? And they said, come let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves. Boy, the devil's working, isn't he? But notice where he's working. Notice where he's working. He's working in their imagination. Let us make a name, come on, for ourselves. Least we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men, come on church, notice they first said, let us build a city and a tower. Now in verse number five, they have accomplished what they set out to do. And God says in verse number five, Indeed, I mean, verse number five, and the Lord came down to see the city. Oh, God, I wish I had time because I would work on why did he have to come down? But but let's move on. And the Lord God came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one. And they all have one language. And this is what they began to do. Notice what God says. Now nothing say nothing. Now nothing say nothing. Now nothing that they purpose or imagine to do will be withheld from them. I didn't say it. God said it. God says whatever they will imagine to do, they'll do it. Just like they built the city and built the tower, they'll build anything else they imagine. And what I want you to know is that that ability and power to imagine, they got it from the first Adam who named all of the animals, who was brilliant in his imagination. And when he sinned, Adam did not lose his imagination. When he sinned, he opened the door for the imagination to go the wrong way instead of the right way. Is this, is this good teaching? I said, is this good teaching? So God says, now nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them that they imagine in their hearts. Now, real quick, with the few minutes that we have, this is, this is remarkable. This is a remarkable thing here. Uh, uh, the, the reason it's so remarkable is that it is, it is likely 
that not one person among them. Come on, now stay with me. This is so remarkable what they set out to do because there's a great likelihood that not one of them that was among them had ever seen a city. More or less a tower. Jesus. Why? Because before the, the flood, when the flood happened, the flood wiped out everything. When the flood happened, this was after the flood. So when the flood happened, I mean, it wiped out everything. And, and these sons and daughters, these are descendants of Adam. So the, 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 the astonishing thing here is how is it that they are desiring to build a city and they've never seen a city? Oh, God. And how are they desiring to build a tower into the heavens and they've never seen a skyscraper? How were they able to do it? Where did they get it from? They got it from their imagination. Just like not long ago, we were not flying in the sky. But because of man's, oh, preach boy, because of man's ability that God gave him, the power of his imagination, man can literally Amen. Get in a, get in a spaceship and go to the moon. Amen. And put on a suit and walk on the moon and not die. We go outside at night on a clear day and we look at the moon, not realizing there are people who can walk and have walked on the moon. How did we get there? How did we get to the moon? Nobody had ever been to the moon. But somebody imagined it and their imagination start drawing all of these variables into their company to where they came up with a way to produce something that had never been produced because your imagination is powerful. The reason I said this is a tremendous thing is because how are these people building a city and a tower? These descendants of Adam were wanderers. Are you listening to me? They were tent dwellers, TNT. They were tent dwellers, like bad ones. They, they didn't even stay any place uh, uh, long for any, any particular time. Uh, their livelihood was, was raising sheep and goat and, and maybe some cattle. Now tell me, how does a person whose mind is raising sheep and cattle and goats where do they get the mind to think of building a city? Good God of mercy. Can I go ahead and work with this thing with the few seconds I have left? How can a boy raise in stark poverty, raise in a house with no lights, no running water, and an outhouse, how could he pastor a ministry like he's pastoring today? How could he imagine? Where did the thought come from? that he could oversee a ministry of this magnitude because God gave me an imagination and I made a decision to use that power, to use my imagination for his glory and for his honor. And when you take that position, you'll be amazed of the download from heaven that God will deposit in your imagination. Good God of mercy. 
Now let's, let's close this out. So to build a city was a major shift. Wouldn't you agree? For them to build a city is a major shift in what? A major shift in their thinking. And that's all you need tonight to make a major change in your life for the better is to make a major shift in your thinking. Look at verse seven as we close this thing out. God says, come, let us go down and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. God said, I didn't say it, God said, God said, we, we got to do something. We got we to gotta do something where they can't communicate. Oh, God. The, the, the first thing Satan does when he's aiming to destroy your marriage is he breaks down communication. The, the, the first thing Satan does when he's aiming to close your business down is he, he attacks communication. Because we can't, we can't stay in unity if we can't communicate. We can't, we can't accomplish what needs to be accomplished unless we stay on the same page. Because unity is power. And, and when you got, when you got a godly imagination that you've allowed your imagination to be sanctified by the power of the Spirit of God, and then you have a heart desire to only do His will, to do those things that are pleasing in his sight, you will be amazed of the glorious things that God will do in and through your life. Wow. Imagination is a tremendous power. In creative imaginations, you actually create your own destiny. So I close with this statement. Your outer conditions will always be harmoniously related to your inward state. As a man thinketh in his heart, so his life will be. God bless you. Wow, what an amazing message. Thank you for listening to our Pathway to Faith broadcast. If you're ever in the Kansas City metro area, Join Bishop and Dr. Howe at Harvest Church International Outreach, 4300 North Corrington Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri, 64117. Or catch our services live online at www.harvestchurchkc.org. Be blessed.